everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of the Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Today we're recording from the Russell Library in Middletown, Connecticut. We have a special guest with us. Our mystery man. Our mystery man, John Valerie, is here. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Episode 25. That's exciting. Totally it is. And I've been called a lot of things. (laughs) <laughs> Mostly worse, so you can be your mystery man. <laughs> so John is, he's a book reviewer, he's a fiction writer of his own accord. He used to write for the Hartford Book Examiner, which uh, the examiner.com was a huge platform for bloggers to write about a wide variety of topics. And John was the Hartford Book Examiner from 2009 to 2016, was always in the top 10 of Hartford.com's, Book.com's, and also their arts and culture. Yeah, for um, the most right? part. Yeah. So and then it just disappeared impressive. overnight. And then it disappeared overnight. <laughs> and I learned about it on Facebook where I get all of my good news <laughs> and bad news and in between. <laughs> yes. We all have some history with uh, learning things we didn't want to learn on <laughs> yeah. Facebook. Yeah. So that was seven years of... of of John's work just gone overnight. <laughs> Pretty but, but now he does have his own site, John B. Valerie. You can find him there. We'll repeat that again at the end. Um, but John, if you've heard of his name, it sounds familiar. We've dropped his name a couple times on the show. But he also reviews and does Q&A and, and profiles for Criminal Element, Mystery Scene Magazine, The Strand Magazine, the National Book Review, The News and Times, and Suspense Magazine. To just name a few. So, John, you get around. Yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty lucky that you're making a stop at the Book Cougars. Thank you. Oh, no, you came to my neck of the woods, so it's it's lovely to be here because most of the time I'm working from my bed. I think that's where I do all my best work. <laughs> and people really get the wrong idea. I say, no, no, it's just my laptop. <laughs> you can still get the wrong idea now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> to have John here today to talk about some upcoming mysteries that are coming out. He definitely has his finger on the pulse of mystery book publishing. Yes. (laughs) So we thought it'd be fun to have John in to talk about some new releases, some stuff coming up this fall. Take it away, John. Oh, take it away. All right, you can just interject, shut me up at any time. They told me not to be shy. Yes, that's right. No, we're (laughs) ready. shy. Um, But yeah, it's been a really, really good summer for mysteries and thrillers and there's I know that this is not going to air right away but there's some really good ones coming out tomorrow which is Tuesday the 29th because as we all know Tuesdays are you know big release days for books Um, so I guess maybe I should start with Louise Penny because I know someone here at the table is a big fan and I did a bad thing and I stole away the arc for (laughs) criminal element and then I was like wow I shouldn't have done that Yeah, yeah. We should just Sorry. say I, I interviewed you for Criminal Element, and when the editor sent out the spreadsheet with the list of books, and I saw Louise Penny, I got so excited. And then of course there's John's name right next to it. But wah wah. But you're still friends because we are. are. I didn't break into his house. I resisted. And... You can. You're close now. I mean, it's a quick trip over the bridge. But but. Um... You know, you've already spoken on two, I think, of our episodes that you're going dark tomorrow I am. in order to yes. read Louise Penny all yes. on a long day. So I am. I will be holed up in my house with Thai food and Louise Penny. 
Sounds like a great day. Totally. Yeah, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I was actually, I was just excited to have the opportunity um, to read it because I know that people adore her the world over, and I'm sort of a bad Louise Penny reader. Like, I read her first book, and I've read this one, and I've sort of missed all the in-between ones, but I thought that this would be like a good opportunity to sort of... Reintroduce myself to her little world of three stars. I know, I see smoke smoke. coming out of her ears. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have shared that with him. Okay, I'm just reevaluating our friendship. <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> now I met her, and this is the funny thing: is like I met her at RG Julia a couple of years ago, um, and I'm like, I should meet her. Everybody knows her and loves her, and I was the only person there that hadn't read any of her books. And I, of course, told her that, and then she told the entire room that she's very lovely. Yeah, um, she and then she came back the next year, coincidentally. So I figured, why not go again? And of course, she remembered, and she's like, that's the guy who never read any of my books but I got to stand up and say wait I read one (laughs) and I did and now I've read two but I think what really drew me to this one is it's sort of a courtroom drama and one of the things that I like about her and you know that I've heard about her I can't say that I've experienced it all myself because my reading has been so small Um, but she sort of dabbles with different types of mystery and so this one is like I said it's a courtroom drama so it actually opens um, with Gamache on the stand and he's having sort of a very antagonistic conversation with the uh, chief prosecutor uh, who he's always had sort of not a great relationship with. They obviously, you know, don't really like each other. That's not a secret. Um, But this is antagonistic beyond that until you realize that there's some kind of undercurrent that we don't know about. Um, But sort of the cool thing with this book is you know that there's a murder, um, but you don't know who was killed and who was accused until about halfway through the book. Oh, wow. So talk about suspense, right? I just wanted to know, you know, what's going on here. Um, But the other element that I really liked is Louise Penny introduces um, something called, and I will probably butcher this, but a cobrador, um, C-O-B-R-A-D-O-R, if I got that wrong, which basically in olden times was like a debt collector. Um, So these sort of dark cloaked figures would follow people around who either, you know, owed money or made some kind of moral transgression. And so when this book opens up, one of these figures has appeared in Three Pines, and everybody's sort of like, well, why? And it's really good because it's very subtle suspense, and it's very sinister, but quietly. And I think that that's one of the things that Louise Penny does, is her books are very profound, but they're very, very quiet. And you can really appreciate the art of her writing and also the humanity that's sort of like the underlying current of the book. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about it, but it was it was wild. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know you're going to have a very good day tomorrow. And Long day. It's like 400 the... pages. Oh, is it? And oh. it's called Glass Houses. Glass Houses. Sorry, I should have said that. Glass Houses. Um, but really enjoyable. And so now I really want to go back and, you know, read yeah. the eight I've missed. Uh, the 11 you've missed. Oh, that's right. It's 13. I can't yeah. even do math. Wow. I've only read the first one. So <laughs> no, and, and I just want to back up and say, again, we've talked about this before, that um, a lot of people have a hard time getting into her first one. And then the second or the third might not really grab you, but by like the, well, the third or the fourth by most people, they just get sucked into the series. And that's what happened to me too, but a lot of people have commented that the first book is hard to get into, and maybe the second or third 
Don't exactly grab them, but then after that, all bets are off, and you will be jonesing for some Louise Penny. You'll be going dark on a day, yeah. a beautiful sunny day, <laughs> yeah, so that totally. you can read it. Which yeah. is kind of appropriate, <laughs> given the covert door, I think. But you're right, I had the same, and I think we've talked about this before, but I had the same issue with the first book, is everybody was talking about it, and I did want to start at the beginning before mm-hmm. I decided to just, you know, jump around. Um and it took me a long time to get through the book, and I did put it down a few times and almost didn't, you know, return to it. And then I said, oh, well, I have to. And maybe, you know, 100 pages, 150 pages in, then it sort of took off, but it did take a while. It was worth it. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah. you know, be whole, patient. The whole series is totally worth it. She's a beautiful writer. A really sweet person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Right on. All right, and so you know where I'm going next. Since we're talking about tomorrow's books, you're just surprised I didn't mention it first. I have bet my life. The (laughs) only reason you mentioned Louise Penny first is because of me. Yeah, you know, my staffing order changed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here with cards in front of myself because I'm old and my memory is shot. I can't even. I couldn't even have math. I have it written down. Thirteenth book. I'm like, yeah, I missed eight of them in red too. Uh, we should also talk about John, John is the younger man here. Yes. Because we're cougars. It's all downhill after 30. Like Somebody <laughs> told me that that was going to be the case, and it's so true. It is every, every year, a new indignity. <laughs> or several. <laughs> the real mystery is where's my hair? <laughs> yeah, there's we're going to have to post a picture now, John. <laughs> funny story i mean this is about we're talking about crime and everything um when i worked at borders you know we had security cameras and and one time we were viewing the security cameras because something had happened and the supervisor who i was working with that day his name is greg and we were you know looking at the video and he was watching himself walk around he's like oh my god he's like i'm that bald Because he had a small balding patch happening, you in know. The back, and you can just, see it. You can't see it. I know, that. but yeah. from up above, yeah. So there it was. Okay. So, so can I digress on. now that you told yeah. that story? John because doesn't have hair. Some, yeah. Should we describe our guests? Since this is audio? <laughs> no. No? Because I, I wouldn't want someone to She's looking right at me. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Feature you could have just good solicit descriptions from people. What do you think he looks? That's you know? the beauty of radio. You know, I had someone go on tangent central here. I used to have an apartment attached to the back of my house in my old house in Ohio, and I had a very famous radio personality who I won't say his name, but was on Fresh Air. Not on Fresh Air. I'm all things considered, and um, I had someone I listened to every morning. You know. Mm-hmm. And he showed up at my house, and I was like, really? That body goes with that voice? Like, it made no sense to me. He was like five feet tall and this tiny little thing with this huge, booming voice. So that's why I suggest that we don't describe people. <laughs> but if you would like us to describe you, John, I'm happy to do so. Well, I was just saying he has hair. There, isn't it? He's hair. He has, he has hair. He has facial hair. Elsewhere, too. <laughs> you know, his facial hair. He has a beard, you know. Okay, we should probably... Okay, moving on. He's <laughs> got moves. <laughs> We're going to get kicked out of this library. Yeah, we are in the library, but we are in a room. 
room. <laughs> Echoey room. <laughs> room. Okay. So yeah, so I'm not even going to tell my digression story. <laughs> it suffice it to say it had to do with hair. <laughs> but anyway, so okay, I do have to mention that Marsha Clark, yes, that Marsha Clark, has a new book out tomorrow as well, uh, Snap Judgment, which is the third in her Samantha Brinkman series, and it's really great. It's a total mind better. You know, the thing is, I like pride myself on trying to figure out twist endings and all that. And I'm the person who gets, you know, mad if I can't figure it out. Whereas other people are like, oh, I figured it out. Well, it wasn't yeah. that good if I can figure it out. I want to know. And if I can't figure it out, I just get pissed. Interesting. And Marsha's done a lot of writing for TV. And so she has sort of a really intricate plotting process. And I've just decided at this point to not even bother trying to figure out where she's going. Yeah. Because I can never figure it out. And that's unusual for me. Interesting. I didn't know that about you. Because I'm the type of mystery reader, I don't really usually try to figure things out. I don't really usually. (laughs) I don't really usually. Uh, What does that mean? I usually don't (laughs) bother trying to figure it out. Sometimes I do, but usually I'm just enjoying the story. Oh, see, I definitely... I mean, I'm not a huge mystery reader, but I definitely try to figure out if I am. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't surprise me that Marsha Clark writes like that, because she's got that convoluted lawyer brain. Right, and I think that's... Like, I think that helps because yeah. your whole career is like trying to tell the most convincing story to yeah. a jury. So she's always sort of had that ingrained, yeah. but it comes out really well in her writing. And the cool thing about her new series, which surprises a lot of people, is she's writing about a criminal defense attorney. Uh, because most people, you know, recognize Marsha as the O.J. Simpson prosecutor. But before that, she was a criminal defense attorney um, and she represents the indigent on appeal now. So she's back on that side of the council table. And, but she can have so much more fun with the defense attorney. Like, there's no ethics, there's no morals, you know, it's a very convoluted sense when of justice. Writing, when she's writing a novel, right, talking right. about well, it. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. Because she still is practicing. Yeah, she is. Lawyer. She does appeals, um, which is different. You know, it's not going to court every day and speak to a jury. It's more reviewing transcripts for error uh, and that type of work. But she will admit that there's, like, a lot of wish fulfillment in these books because, you know, if justice isn't done the way it should be done, her character, Samantha Brinkman, will get her own justice. Oh, <laughs> and you know, because you've yes, read at least I've the first book. I've read at least book. the first one. I really, um, I didn't enjoy it very much. Yeah, so it's fun. And this one's another great setup. Like, Samantha takes on the case of a civil litigator um, whose daughter was found dead, uh, murdered, we think. And the suspect is her ex-boyfriend. There's also sort of a subplot about revenge porn. Um, you know, naked selfies showed up on the internet. Yeah. And the daughter started getting all kinds of crazy visitors and messages and all that dirty stuff. And then she winds up dead. Um, The boyfriend, obviously, everybody thinks, posted the pictures. Um, So they're also convinced that he killed her. But then, twist, he turns up dead, too. Um, Oh. No, no. This is all, like, in the blurb. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, he turns up dead. It's officially ruled a suicide, but his family questions that. They say, oh, no way. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the litigator who is the father of the victim becomes the prime suspect. Uh, And so Samantha sort of has to look into this because they fear that he is actually going to be arrested and tried for murder. Uh, And the more she finds out, the more she wonders if she ever really knew this man uh, to begin with. Um, But also, too, you know, the third book in Marsha's series always seems to be like the biggest and juiciest. So this one's almost 500 pages. And you get, you know, you get to know the characters a little bit better, too, because she has a private investigator who works for her. His name is Alex 
Uh, and he's a hacker extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Um, I love hackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he's great. You know, he's a first-time private investigator. She sort of took him on because she likes to fight for the underdog. Uh, and he sort of lives by this rule book of, you know, private investigating 101, which she thinks is a crock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has an office assistant who basically, you know, makes her take cases and do billable hours because otherwise this they're going to sink. Yeah. Um, but you get a little bit more of their backstory and interplay, which is nice. You now have that familiarity with the trio of characters. Um, so it's really, really good book. She's actually had, you know, this is her third book out in like almost the last year and a half. But I think we're going to have a wait before the fourth one. So it's maybe that's why it's 500 yeah. pages. Turn them <laughs> but slowly. So, but that one sounds like a decent one people could actually start with if it has all that. Yeah, you can. The nice thing is um, there are, you know, subplots. Um, that carry over, but you get enough information where you can really, you know, pick up any book in the series and you'll be okay. It's probably mm-hmm. most beneficial to read them one through three, but I don't think you'd have a problem mm-hmm. reading number three and then going backwards or not if it's a Louise Penny yeah. <laughs> type of situation. See, I'd say the same, like maybe I'll just start with the new Louise Penny, but if you ever say that to any Louise, like you can see Chris's face like, <laughs> freaking out. There was, a, there was a look on her face I've never I, seen you know before. What? I was trying not to sweat. <laughs> trying not to start sweating. Um, exactly. <laughs> no, I will you can just pick up any book, and I and I think I haven't personally read Louise Penny that way, but I'm I'm kind of a stickler in my own life about reading things in chronological order. Me too. But yeah. sometimes I don't. Like I just read somebody's second novel in a series, and you know I can I can cope. See, the the older <laughs> I get, and John, you're not old. The older <laughs> I get, I'm here to tell you, you start to look at like a series of thirteen and think. Mm-mm, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So either I'm going to not do it, or if someone says one of them is super wonderful, maybe I'll just hop in and read it, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, especially when you're telling me the first three aren't that good. It's like, <laughs> no, why would I bother? It's not that they're not that good. They just didn't, they didn't suck me in. Yeah. Like, I wasn't all that propelled mm-hmm. in the very beginning. But then, like I've said to you, I, I was like a wood chipper, going through all the rest of them at that time like I would get it from the library I download it as an ebook I I bought a couple of these bookstore like I got them however I could in order to read them I was that voracious so what about the Marsha Clarks do you feel like all three of them are did they get better as they went or do you think they're all equally as good you know I think they all sort of have their own strengths Um, I do think you know, since there's only three, it probably would be best to read them in order, just because there are some, you know, really gnarly continuing storylines, uh, and there would definitely be some pretty major spoilers if you picked up book three and didn't want to be spoiled for book one, because, you know, book one has kind of a whopper, uh, and it's hard to keep contained after book one, because there's a character who recurs very prominently, but in book one, you're not certain that that's going to happen. But it's not OJ, right? It's not. It's not OJ. Because no. I don't want to read about OJ. No offense. <laughs> what? OJ? Who? Oh. Just thought I'd check. No, it's not. But, you know, people who like the prosecutor bench, she also did the Rachel Knight series, which is four books. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really great, too. Yeah. I like those a lot just because there's a lot of Marsha in the character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she likes to say, well, not really. But then I list off, you know, all the things that they have in common. And then she said, shit, I didn't yeah. realize I did that. Say John actually knows Marsha. We should let the listeners know that. Yeah. that. He's just not reading interviews. He actually is friends with Marsha Clark, so... Yes, I do for Facebook now. But I would still be recommending this book because I started as a fan. (laughs) Yeah. Good. That's good. Very cool. 
But actually, it's funny you mentioned, you know, whether or not you want to start with sort of a long-running series and the time investment that there is with that, because I constantly struggle with that, because, you know, I can barely fit in one Louise Penny book in a year, let alone 13. Um, But that's actually what sort of intrigued me with the new Michael Connolly book, because he's somebody I'd read in the past, you know, I'd read a couple of the Bosch books, The Poet, and some of the follow-ups to that, Um, but he had a new book come out in July called The Late Show, and it's actually the first in a new series, so I felt like that would be a really good time to sort of dive back in, so I did. That sounds good. I uh, Roxanne Cody interviewed him on yeah. the latest episode of her podcast, and I was intrigued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a good interview. It was, it was really good. Um, it t- I will say it took me a little while to really get invested in the story and the characters, but again, once you hit a certain point, then it's like, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody, just <laughs> shut the lights, lock the door, I'm not here, you know. I love books like that, though, and I have, can say I haven't read one like that in a long time. It took a little while, but yeah, he introduces a new character, uh, her name is Renee Ballard, and she works the night shift, which basically is, you know, the overnight shift, um, which most people don't want, and she particularly um, doesn't like one element of that, which is basically, you know, you start all these cases, and then you just, you turn them over to the morning shift, so you never really get to see a resolution, oh, uh, so in this book there are a couple of cases that she sort of follows up independently um, and outside sort of the normal channels because she wants to know you know who did this and why Uh, so sort of the two crimes are uh, a brutal beating of a prostitute and then also a nightclub shooting that leaves a waitress and several others dead and another you know sort of I know it's a really uplifting you know (laughs) Charming little story. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get lost in a room with that story. No. Yes, terrible things happen. Terrible, terrible things happen. Uh, but she's a really, you know, interesting sort of gritty character. There's a lot of complexities and flaws. Um, and she's not, you know, unlikable, but she's not that perfect, pristine character either. And I like that because who is? I mean, well, you might be Chris and you might be Emily. I'm obviously not. No, I'm not. I can't speak for Chris. <laughs> Well, after this show, you know you're going to become, this is going to be your cross to bear as people are going to be like, she's the one who said Louise Penny's first three books aren't that good. Oh, no. (laughs) I didn't say they weren't good. I just I think that was Emily's paraphrasing of what you said. I take responsibility for that. They didn't, like, get get me in the gut, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think the Michael Connelly one, it's a good, you know, spot for somebody, again, who doesn't want to dive into the series. This Mm -hmm. is a great way to start fresh. And it's really, you know, compelling the way the characters come together and he sort of draws parallels between the two cases. Uh, So a really, really uh, sort of intricate plot line. And there's so much authenticity because, you know, he he wrote nonfiction. He did the crime beat uh, for a long time before he started writing fiction. So you can tell, just like Marsha was a lawyer and she brings all of that into her work. So you get a really authentic sense of place, which is good. That's cool. I did read his The Poet. That was really good. A really good mystery thriller. Yeah, and that was sort of like right in the middle of the Bosch series, right? It was sort of like, like a series a, within a series. I started the Bosch series. And... Has he written something else other than the Bosch series? Oh, uh, yeah, The Lincoln Lawyer. Yes, books. okay, I was going to yep. say, I knew I read one of his. I read The Lincoln Lawyer, and I really liked it. Yeah. I saw the movie, I didn't read that one. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> never do that. Never, never watch the movies first, right? Uh, no, Chris well, disagrees with that. I'm with you, John. I used to be very much a stickler like that. I'm just loosening up a bit in my old age when it comes to that because you know so many books yes so little time yeah 
I mean, there are still some movies I haven't seen that came out probably 10 years ago, and I'm still waiting to read the book before I see the movie, but whatever. Maybe we should have a cutoff age. Like, at 70, if you haven't read the book, let's okay, just sit down goes. and watch some movies. Yeah. If you make right. it to 70, you know, I have rules. Knock on wood. Yeah. yeah that'd be nice, right? Yes. Um, but actually, another one that I can recommend is a standalone from Karen Slaughter because, again, mm-hmm. she's one of those authors who has a pretty long backlist of titles. Uh, and you're, if you haven't started reading them already, your chances that you're going to get around to reading them all probably not so good. And they're they're pretty long, you know, they're big books. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has her second standalone out this summer. Uh, it just came out earlier this month, and like I mentioned, I believe it's called The Good Daughter. Really, really good. I've heard so many about that. I mean, yeah. very, very dark. Very dark. But again, like, it was one of those things that kept me up way later than it should have at night. And I knew it, too. And I'm telling myself, I have to be up early. I have deadlines. I have to take care of mom. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm still turning pages. I am going to be a bear yeah. tomorrow. But it was really good. And again, it's one of those big, you know, 500-ish page books, but it's one of those storylines that, you know, starts 28 years ago, there's a very dramatic event, and then we pick up in the future, um, sort of 28 years ago is sort of the dismantling of this family, uh, because, and again, this isn't really spoiling anything because it's the beginning of the book, um, but there's a mom and two daughters uh, of a prominent criminal defense attorney who is very controversial in Pikeville, Georgia, um, you know, he's represented sort of the scum of the earth, and so people don't have the most wonderful glowing opinion of him and there's an attack uh, at his house one night and the mother is killed and the two daughters are sort of brutalized you know physically emotionally and we don't necessarily see the ramifications of all of that until years later Um, but then you know we skip ahead 28 years and Charlotte Charlie is one of the daughters she is still living in Georgia and she's now a practicing criminal defense attorney Um, whereas her sister Samantha or Sam actually moved away to New York has had very very little contact uh, with her family and then you know things happen she gets drawn back home and they actually both get drawn into the case of an 18 year old girl uh, Kelly Wilson who is accused of a school shooting Um, you know dark dark but all again all these parallel storylines sort of come together and you get to see you know what happened to this fractured family and why uh, and if there's going to be any redemption for them, but just very compelling, very well written, uh, and again, a great place to start, you know, for Karen Slaughter. If you don't want to go back and read all the series books, it is a standalone, but it'll make you want to read everything that she's ever written because it's it's fabulous. It's easily one of the best crime novels of the year. I'd even say one of the best novels of the year. Wow, that's high yeah. praise. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people praising it on social media that they couldn't put it down and. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make you feel good at all, but you still can't stop reading, which must tell you something, yeah. right? Well, you know, I just read The Grapes of Wrath, and right. I felt the same way. Like, I wanted to keep reading it, but damn, that's really right. depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Cool. I'm supposed to keep... Should I give yeah. you more? Oh, yeah. More, yeah, more. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I mean, right now we're at 27 minutes, and yeah. most of our episodes we could do an hour, if you want to keep talking. Hour, whatever you... However much longer you want to talk, yeah. please. All right, and then you can shoot questions at me if yeah. you have any. But I also, um, Tess Garrison has a new book out in the Rizzoli and Isles series. Uh, it's called I Know a Secret. Uh, it's the 12th book in the series. And I've always really, really enjoyed her um, because, again, she has a lot of 
medical authenticity in her books and there's the element of police procedure uh, because she was trained and worked as a physician before she became an author uh, so she's drawn on that for pretty much all of her books uh, with the exception of she actually started her career writing romantic suspense um, and that really didn't take off and then a fan mentioned to her that they would like her to write something that involved kinky sex and serial killers, if I'm remembering correctly. Wow. Um, that's a brave question. That's a challenge, yeah. Right? And she was like, maybe that'll sell. So she she wrote the first book uh, with Jane Rizzoli. It was The Surgeon, uh, and it became a bestseller. And she was like, well, obviously there's something to kinky sex and serial killers. So, you know, uh, the medical examiner, Maura Isles, was introduced in the second book, uh, The Apprentice, and since then they've continued on. Uh, there was a show that ran for seven years on TNT, too, based on those characters. Um, the thing I really like is the show is enjoyable in its own element, but it was very quirky and funny. Um, and Tess Gerritsen's books really aren't. You know, the characters exist separately. Uh, Jane Rizzoli is, you know, not... Angie Harmon at all. She's a very sort of plain Jane. Huh? Plain Jane. <laughs> Maybe that was what she was going for. That just struck. Um, but they exist completely separately. Yeah. Um, and I think Tess Garrison has done that very much intentionally with the exception of, you know, there will be a little subtle nods to the show, like maybe a little bit more humor um, or more as fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really like about Tess Garrison is she's been around long enough, and I'm not saying she's old, but she doesn't, you know, worry about conventions anymore. Like she's not your book a year author. She'll give you a book when the book is ready. And it's not always a Rizzoli and Isles book. Like she'll throw out a standalone every once in a while. Um, but I think the reason this one particularly piqued my interest is because I am a horror movie buff, as you know. I love, love, love those. And apparently Tess Garrison is also, and she got that from her mom, who is a big oh, fan of like old American horror movies. And actually recently um, she wrote the screenplay for a horror movie, an indie horror movie, and her son actually directed it. So that sort of inspired her to write a book that has an undercurrent of horror films and independent filmmaking and the passion that goes into that. Um, so it opens uh, with, of course, a body <laughs> being found because it's a Tess Garrison book. Um, <laughs> but Cassandra Coyle is found dead in her bed in her Boston apartment. It's the middle of winter, and it's a very interesting scene because her eyes have been removed. Her eyeballs have been removed uh, and placed in the palm of her hand. But Cupcakes! <laughs> right? But, you know, if there's a saving grace, it was post-mortem because yeah. there's no blood, there's no oh. obvious sign of death. So it's, what's going on here? Um, and so, you know, our <laughs> face. Emily's squirming over there. <laughs> this will be my first and last appearance on the book. But... <laughs> Uh, but it's interesting because they have to figure out, you know, is somebody copycatting all these movies or is there something else going on? So there's a lot of religious symbolism. Um, and then, you know, because Mora is the medical examiner, her religion is science. Um, but so there's that sort of science versus religion aspect. Um, some characters from her past come back. I won't spoil anything, but uh, really interesting. And then, like I said, you know, there's this undercurrent of independent filmmaking and the passion that it takes to get these films done uh, and why people do what they do. So that's really interesting, but also um, Tess Garrison gets to explore the notion of false memory syndrome, which is when you 100% believe that, you know, something terrible has happened to you um, and it didn't. 
or it may not have, but you honestly think uh, that it did. So there's an element of that. And sort of, you know, it's written in two different perspectives. There's a first-person narration from a very enigmatic but important character to the storyline, and then Rizzoli and Isles are always told uh, in the third person, so those sort of interchange, and again, everything comes together uh, at the end. But for, you know, sort of a riff on horror, it's done with a lot of sophistication, and I think that Tess Garrison is really good about, you know, sort of balancing out the gruesome aspects just with the realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not gratuitous, per se. Um, so, another winner for her. And, and is this one you think you could pick up without having read any of the other? Yeah, I think you absolutely can. Again, you know, there's some subtle undercurrents and repetition of characters and storylines that have been ongoing, but the case uh, that they're investigating is very much... Uh, a standalone. Okay. So yeah, I don't think that it would be a problem for anybody. Again, it's just going to be those, one of those ones where you read it and you're going to want to go back mm-hmm. and explore the earlier books, but you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. I'm just hoping it doesn't take another two or three years to get, you know, <laughs> another one. Yeah. But it was good. I liked it. We readers were so demanding of our authors. Put one out every year. Come on. But make sure it's quality. Yeah, but it has to be your best one yet. (laughs) (laughs) Awful. Well, it's so funny because one of my writer friends said, you know, easy reading makes for damn hard writing. And I'm sure it does because, you know, a couple hours we devour something that it took six months, a year or more to write. And then we're like, where's the next one? Or six or eight or ten years. These authors talk about and it's like, oh, it was a good... Enjoyed reading it for the day that I read it. Yeah. 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 And what's next? Yeah. And how exactly. long do we have to wait? Yeah. And you know what the worst part is, is, you know, doing reviews and stuff, we read books early a lot of the time, so I can read a book three, four, or five months before it comes out. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting from that point for the next book. Right. So, like, Marsha's uh, book is coming out tomorrow, and I've read it months ago, and I'm like, where's number four? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting yeah. perspective you're even adding. Although, theoretically, if you get to read it early again... But who knows if that'll happen. That's true, but it's just, yeah, a lot of time. Yeah. Sometimes it can seem like goes by until you get to the next one, and then we're spoiled. You know, we get to read yeah. it early, and then we yeah. complain we've waited so long. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I hate myself. I should just shut up. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, that's probably one reason why I haven't pursued Louise Penny advanced reader copies, because, like, I want to have that excitement of release day mm-hmm. and going getting it when it's yeah Harry Potter's were like that in my family exactly you know? yeah. And, yeah mm-hmm. and then it was like the fight we were only going to buy one copy and who gets to read it first oh that's and, cool you know yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like Hunger Games in your head right exactly <laughs> You go to bed. Yeah. Time for you to go to bed. I've got to read you. Mom, it's only six at night. I know, go to bed. <laughs> Start ripping out pages. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. At this point, I think I'm more excited for people's books than they are. Or it's just like, I'm too tired to be excited. I'm like, that's okay. I'll be excited for you. Yeah. That's a fun position to be in. You don't have to do the writing, but you get to right? be excited yeah. for the book release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just get to good. pimp it out. Right, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I can, you know, give you a couple more recommendations yeah, you if you want, but I'll probably more just... Quick ones or something yeah. that's come... Is there something that you have that's coming out in the fall, maybe, that people get really excited Yeah, about? there are some, you know, I, it's funny because I think a lot of the ones that I was most anticipating have come out between, you know, May and now, mm-hmm. uh, but fall and holiday season are always a really good time to get some books, too, uh, and a lot of Connecticut authors have new books coming out, so uh, James Ben, who writes the Billy Boyle World War II Mysteries, uh, has his... 12th series title coming out on the 12th of September, how appropriate, Uh, and it's called The Devouring. Uh, And the thing I like about his books is 
I am not really a great reader of historical fiction or nonfiction. It's just not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but his books are so well done that I enjoy visiting them every once in a while. And I actually, when I do, I feel sort of closer to my father because uh, he passed away in 2007. And we were, you know, very different. And I was pretty young at that point in time. Um, and we'd always shared sort of a love of reading, but very different types of books. So when I read those, I almost feel, you know, closer to him, mm-hmm. um, which I think maybe that's one of the reasons I enjoy those books. Absolutely. But they're, they're very educational because I think we keep finding, too, that, you know, that old saying, uh, what's past is prologue. You know, how true is that? And do we ever actually learn from all the atrocities that have occurred? Well, we were just talking about that earlier, yeah. Emily and I. Yeah. 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 So that one's uh, that's coming out, and he'll actually he'll be at R.J. Julia, and then he's coming up to the Middletown R.J. Julia store as well. So he'll be in Madison and Middletown, and he's my next profile uh, for Mystery Scene. So that will be out in September. I met that deadline. (laughs) I got that one done. Uh, So that's coming out soon. That one's a good one. Uh, One of my friends, Liz Magavro, she writes cozy mysteries um, with cats. Mm They're really good, and they're set in a sort of quaint, fictional Connecticut town. Uh, and so her next one is coming out at the end of September, and it's called Purring Around the Christmas Tree. You know. Uh, cute. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I mean, bet everybody in that book keeps their eyes. Probably. <laughs> 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 yes, I guess. <laughs> Cozy. See, we read all around the mystery tree. <laughs> You know, there's usually some like organic recipes. And <laughs> See, there you go. So if you want something a little more lighthearted, I would <laughs> probably recommend that. Well, that's a big tradition in the cozy world is putting out books for the holidays. Right, right. Thanksgiving or Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, I'm such a sucker yeah. for the. I am that person. They're like, you need to write this because those fools will read them and I will read them. But they're fun. You know, it's nice yeah. to have that sort of undercurrent. And it's, I think it's the sixth book into the series too. So, you know, it hasn't become gimmicky because not everything is based around a holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to that. Um, I also am still a big fan of Mary Higgins Clark. Uh, I will admit I liked her a little bit better years ago. I think that sometimes her standalone uh, books or her solo written books have become a little bit, you know, there's a lot of coincidence. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, some some stuff is a little bit contrived. Yeah. Um but I liked her last book a lot, uh, All By Myself Alone. I thought that was one of her best solo efforts in many, many years. And she writes a series now with Alifair Burke, uh, the Under Suspicion novel. So their fourth collaboration is coming out in November. It's called Every Breath You Take. Uh, and they're a little bit edgier with Alifair Burke. So still very much Mary Higgins Clark's style, um, but a little bit more current, which is a lot of fun. Uh, then Chris Knopf, who's also a Connecticut author, uh, has his eighth Sam Aquilo Hamptons mystery coming out. It's called Tango Down, and that's out at the end of November. And again, he's one of those authors that I'm finding I like more and more as I age or as I mature or devolve. I don't know which way I'm going. Um, but, you know, I tend to read more women than men, um, which has probably become apparent from my list. But but his books are very, very 
well done. And again, you know, the more I read, the more I enjoy them and the more of him I want to read. Uh, so that's coming out soon. And then uh, Wendy Corsi Staub, who is one of my dear friends and favorite authors, uh, she has a new cozy coming out uh, in November as well. It's called Dead of Winter, and it's the third book in her Lilydale mysteries. Uh, she's a little bit better known for standalone uh, psychological suspense titles, or she's done a bunch of trilogies recently that are a little bit more, you know, hard-hitting. Um, not necessarily cozy, but also not, you know, eyeballs gouged out and placed in the palm of your hand. Somewhere in, in between. Um, but what I really like about the series is Lilydale is an actual place in New York. It's a spiritualist community. Um, so it's it's an amazing setting uh, for a series, and she actually has returned there with these books because uh, several years ago she did a four-book young adult series set in Lilydale, and so she wanted to return to it for a very long time, and these books have allowed her to do so, and she actually brings back some of the characters that were in those books, but we get to see them you know, as adults or as older adults, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah. It's hard, you know... When I was in my high Patricia Cornwell phase, reading a lot of her, I know Laura had asked me for a mystery recommendation, one that didn't involve eyeballs because <laughs> she's not into that at all. So I was like, yeah, I think this one would be good. And it was kind of like a cozy. So, you know. Well, she's like, oh, great, Chris. She comes back to me later that night. On page three, there's a severed foot found in a refrigerator. <laughs> she's like, thanks a lot. It's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, but it is. It's so hard Sometimes to find like your comfort level in terms of how much crime and right, and there's like so many subcategories and genres, and you know you can't kill you can't kill a pet, but you can do all these horrible things to people. But if you kill a cat or a dog, you're like person on crowd and nobody wants to know you. Well, that's true. Some people have zero tolerance for animal stuff. Well, it's funny because um, Jim. My my new gentleman caller has been using huge. He has a name now. That mystery has been solved. Yes, we have a new mystery man. That mystery man has been unveiled. Um, We've been trying to figure out each other's reading tastes, and so he was querying me this weekend about you know because he'll read Stephen King and stuff like that, and you know it was funny because I started to have these things I was saying about my reading, like, well, I don't like this, and I like this, but then I was like, on the other hand, I loved The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Lots of violence, <laughs> horrific rape scenes, right? And, you know, people being chained up and things like that. So I was like, what was it that I liked about that book? I mean, part of it was the pace of it, I think. Mm-hmm. But... Well, then she survives, and she kick, She goes back, and she kicks ass. Right. I think that's a big part of it. Maybe. Maybe. I'm... Yeah, I don't know. And then, and I read each of those. I mean, I loved them so much that the I think the third one came out ahead of time in Europe, and I happened to be in Spain with a backpack on my back and bought it and carried it around all 1,000 pages of it so I could read it on the flight home, you know? So it's funny to try to figure that out because I do think yeah. we, we say... I mean, I don't like blood splatter and, you know, stuff like that. I definitely don't, but I'm not quite sure why I can tolerate that story arc sure. not yeah. others, you know it is interesting isn't it to think yeah. about that yeah because yeah. I don't do serial killers really other than Patricia Cornwell <laughs> <laughs> other than that I don't know why you know yeah. really, hers I just do. keep coming back <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know we don't get a new Patricia Cornwell this year, isn't that like? There's not one coming out. No. I didn't know that. No. You just totally ruined my day. Oh, see, I'm so uplifting. <laughs> no, <you> <laughs> Nothing can ruin my day with Louise Penny coming out tomorrow. That's right. That's, it's all, it's wow, all this I could ruin your day. 
Oh, because you could tell it. I could, and then yeah. I would never be seen again. So wow. bad, even the that. threat of that. I know. Is so bad. It's the first murder that's recorded on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be huge. Your numbers would be like. Good, yeah, serial. Right. Numbers, that's where you. Don't mess with someone's, like, destroying the suspense of someone's impending mystery read tomorrow. Oh, it's so true, though. People take that so seriously. It's like the whole Game of Thrones thing. Like, you put a spoiler on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched Games of Thrones. I haven't seen it either, but I just, people are feuding over it on Facebook. You ruined it. I know. I haven't read them either. I'm not to, but I haven't. Jacob was really worried about that because, you know, it's been going on through the whole summer mm-hmm. and he was out backpacking in the woods all summer and he was like, when I get home, how am I going to get through the summer without it being spoiled? And I was like, well, you're going to be in the woods, you know, like, I, <laughs> I can't think someone's going to hop on one of those trails and run into a human being and be like, I must tell you what happened on Game of Thrones last night. So he got home and was sure to be able to get watching it straight away. Yeah, people take it seriously. Totally. No yeah. spoilers. No spoilers. Did you guys ever yeah. see that episode with Friends? Where Joey... There's a book on the, re- the refrigerator. And I don't know which one, one of the women opens the freezer. And it's like, there's a book in here. And he's like, oh, I'm reading that, Joey says. And it's Stephen King's The Shining. I think it's The Shining. And when it gets too scary, he puts it in the freezer. <laughs> right? So that's like his favorite book. And he rereads it. And... Who's Jennifer Anderson's character is Rachel? Yep. So she, her favorite book is Little Women. So they exchange books to read oh, each other's favorite, and they're going on and on, and then they have a fight, and they start throwing out spoilers at each other about the, <laughs> the other book. They're like, no! Oh, my God! Joe dies! No! You know? That's so kind of a funny episode. Oh, that sounds really about good. About reading and spoilers. Yes. I have not seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah. That sounds great. So, John, you've told us about some upcoming things. Um, what about some of your favorite, maybe standalones, as opposed to series? Some of your favorite mystery books over the years. Oh, all time. time. Yeah, of all time. Because oh. Emily and I did a top ten episode that was so like I, I sometimes think about the books I chose for that. And I was like, there's no Cat Conroy on that list. Like, what was my fucking problem? You know? How do you she live with yourself? On me yeah. and every, I sometimes lay in bed every Sunday. I'm like, this week I'm going to write my new top ten. <laughs> now I have this top ten. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I was gonna say, I forget so many, you know. Yeah. It's like I read a book and I'm like, that's amazing, and then I can't remember it a year later. Yeah. I know I liked it. Um, you know, most of my favorite books tend to be from series, but if they I had do. to go back yeah. to like the roots of my mystery loving, uh, as a kid, I really I was not a reader and I was a terrible speller initially, but my mom always read to us. And I enjoyed that, and I, I really, I finally found the right book for me. It was like the Nancy Drew books. Ooh. I know, you know, most guys would say the Hardy Boys, but I'm not most guys. Yes. And I thought for sure, like, I was going to marry Nancy Drew because, you know, it's better than a hot girl who solves mysteries. Yeah. Um, and I sort of see that as, like, my gateway book. You know how there's, like, gateway drugs? Mm-hmm. That was the book where it's like, oh, I'm really, this is great. You know, it's a puzzle, and I have to be a little bit intellectual. <laughs> Maybe not. Some people would say, it's Nancy Drew. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, yeah, um, but when you're 10 or 12. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. was your mom reading it to you, or did you discover it and start reading it? No, I, I discovered it. I don't even remember necessarily how, um, but, you know, when we were even younger than that, you know, she would just read us picture books mm-hmm. and things like that, and I just 
I liked being told stories, but it was never my inclination to go pick up a book mm-hmm. until I picked up a Nancy Drew. And then I was like that annoying kid who would call like Kmart literally every month. Are the new ones out yet? Are the new ones out yet? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just come and see? <laughs> you know, come look. Stop bothering me. Maybe if you wouldn't, if you weren't calling so much, we could actually shelve them. Um, and that led me to Mary Higgins Clark. Um, you know, so that was sort of my like first adult fair Mm -hmm. and I still remember you know the first book that I ever read by her um, was all around the town so I would say you know that was probably my favorite book of hers and I think it's just because it was the first one that I'd read and it captivated me Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'd mentioned Wendy Corsi style but one day you know sometimes I do like to just go to the bookstore without a plan of what I'm going to buy I like to see what jumps out at me and I found this Wendy Corsi style book um I believe, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember the name, All the Way Home, I believe it was, but everything about it spoke to me, the fact, you know, that she had like a three name name, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, ding, 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 and then the blurb on it was from Lisa Jackson, and it said, if you like Mary Higgins Clark, you'll love Wendy Corsi Stop, and I'm like, again, ding, 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, and just, you know, very gothic and atmospheric, and I read that, and then went back to the bookstore and like bought every book by her that I could. Um, also, I collected Agatha Christie as a kid. My mom still makes fun of me because I used to call her Agatha. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming out now. Agatha. We're drunk yeah. on the computers <laughs> today. And I gave them all away, stupidly. Like, I don't know what it was. You know, I would go to, like, tag sales and stuff and pick them up and read a couple of them. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. And then, of course, I came full circle and now I'm like collecting again and actually reading some of them. But the funny thing that I'm finding is when I was younger, I liked the Miss Marple books the most because I've always really liked like nosy old ladies. That's my thing. (laughs) Nosy old ladies. But, you know, Miss Marple and Murder, She Wrote, like Mm -hmm. Jessica Fletcher. Loved that. I loved Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Right? And it was great. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think there should be a musical. Why is there not a Murder, She Wrote musical? There should be. And they could get Angela Lansbury yes. to like sing and ride around stage yes. on her little bicycle, and she could do that little wave. She is doing a show this season, I think, isn't she? She, I think she might be. She, I think I, I read about that. I think that rings a bell. But why not Murder, She Wrote? I don't know. Maybe we should write the, the play version of that. Maybe we should. Yeah, and maybe Laura should star in it. Go. That'd be interesting. We got it all figured out. Sorry, guys, we have to go. We've got some And but speaking of murder, she wrote. There's the murder she wrote books, yeah. um, which oh. are great, and there's so many of them. There's got to be what forty. Yeah. Uh, and actually, the author of those books lives in Connecticut, and I did not realize that for many, oh. many, many, yeah, many years. Right. But Donald Bain lives in Connecticut, and he uh, collaborated with his wife Renee on several of those books before she passed away. Um, So I always really, really enjoyed those. Uh, And as I was mentioning now, for whatever reason, I'm more into the Poirot books than the Miss Marple books, Mm -hmm. which is a complete surprise to me. I don't know why. Um, But I would say if I had to pick favorites for Poirot, it would be Murder on the Orient Express. So I'm really interested to see what they do with the new movie. Uh, And then for a standalone, and then there were none. I think it's fantastic. Love that book. And they just re-released it in like this cool old-fashioned edition, so it looks pretty much exactly like it did when it was first released. So, of course, you know, you own 20 copies, and you go out and buy that, too. Um, So I really enjoyed that. And then I, I have to say... I, you know me, and you know that I'm not a very decisive person. Like, it's painful for me to make a decision. It really, really is. Yes, I've experienced that. Yeah, and then when you're with people who also suffer that affliction, 
<laughs> you know, you don't go to dinner because yeah. you can't pick a place. <laughs> or you're way past the point of being hungry. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's a now point I can't now. make a decision because I'm too hungry to think. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, and this will sort of like tie my whole thread sort of maybe together. If I had to pick a favorite book of all time, I can do that. Does that surprise you? It does. That does surprise me because I couldn't do it in a million years. It surprises me too. The book that I'm going to tell you is not going to surprise you at all. But as a kid, or I guess I was a tween, like my obsessions were like Gloria Estefan, still obsessed, the Scream movies, and Marsha Clark. Like I thought, you talk about kick-ass women. Yeah. You know, she went into the Simpson trial every day. Everybody was beating her up, mm-hmm. and she just she stood her ground. She fought for justice. She had a moral compass unlike anybody in that room, and she fought the good fight fairly, and obviously it didn't work out all that well for her in that particular instance, Um, but she wrote a memoir with Teresa Carpenter after the trial called Without a Doubt, Um, and again, I don't know what it is with almost 500-page books, but loved it, and the thing I loved most about it is she actually, it wasn't an as-told-to, she actually co-wrote the book with Teresa Carpenter, like she would take a pass, and then they would make it a little bit prettier, but it captured her voice so well that immediately, I mean, even the prologue to that book is one of the most powerful things I've ever read, and you just, you know it's her, you know, there's that passion, but also the frustration, um, the sadness, and I'd always hoped, you know, if I ever started to write myself, that I would have that genuine voice Mm -hmm. uh so love that book um it was actually reissued you know recently and Marcia had talked for years and years and years about at some point wanting to write mystery novels but she wanted to do it well and so many 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 years later she started writing mystery novels and I had idolized her all this time and like the stalker that I am you know I was the one following her online like what's Marcia doing oh nothing (laughs) you know (laughs) nothing today um But she finally started writing crime fiction, and coincidentally or not, they launched her first book in Connecticut, and so after, it was, what, 17 years of me, like, worshipping her, I got to meet her, and she was the coolest person ever, and she had three events in Connecticut, and this is, like, my favorite story, because I'm like, I went up to her, and I said, I have to warn you now, like, I'm going to be at all these events, don't worry. (laughs) I'm like... You will keep your eyeballs, Marsha. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm benignly crazy, but... <laughs> so, you know, like, no need to take out a restraining order. And she looked at me and she said, you know, we all know those just make people try harder anyway. <laughs> and I knew we were destined to be great friends, yeah. and we have been ever since. That's a great response. That is hilarious. Wow. And true. Yeah. And now you, you know, she trusts you enough to have you be... Maintaining her Facebook page. How scary is that? Potentially the ultimate stalker's dream. (laughs) You know what? And I just... Yeah, things come about in the funniest way, but I just knew she was, like, really insanely busy because nobody realizes how much she does. I mean, she still has, like, a full appellate caseload, and she's filming TV shows and working on pitches and writing novels and da-da-da-da-da. And so... Consequently, she, you know, has not been on social media much. And I don't even think she, like, posted when her last book came out. And I just, I emailed her one day. And I'm like, hey, do you want some help? And, of course, I send it. And then I think, wow, that was, like, so presumptuous. I might regret this. (laughs) But, no, she emailed back. She's just like, please, please, if you want to do it, just do it. That's awesome. It's so important. And I know, like, authors are way too busy. And she's still working full-time and doing these other projects. 
But it's so important to have a presence. Yeah. And it's so hard because you don't want to, you know, sell yourself, sell yourself, sell yourself. Yeah. And that's what you feel like. But I can do it for her. Sure. <laughs> I don't mind yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah. And her books are good. That's the greatest yeah. thing. It's like they're yeah. really, really good. Right. Yeah. Any authors out there, if you need people to maintain your Facebook, here, we now know the secret. Hire your best stalker. Yeah. <laughs> you'll Give have them the work. Best Facebook page there is. They're too busy to follow you around. <laughs> you know, keep them busy. <laughs> Awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for coming today. And one thing I failed to mention at the beginning is that you are a fiction writer yourself. I dabble. And you dabble. And you had a, two stories come out in a collection. Yeah, we had an anthology out uh, last October. Well, actually, it came out, I think, at the end of August um, called Tricks and Treats from Books and Booze Press. And it was... Uh, comprised of all Connecticut authors, some current and some historical. So I, I love that I got to make my debut uh, with Mark Twain. Yes. Like I swear, he's rolling over <laughs> in his grave because my my stories yeah. are not Mark Twain <laughs> worthy, and one of them features a prosecutor, <laughs> like Mark Shakespeare. Yeah, totally. but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and actually, my other story was sort of an homage to Scream. Yeah. Very creative. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm working on a couple more uh, fiction stories now for another anthology. And I actually just submitted one that you read uh, for my peculiar family, too, mm-hmm. um, which will be coming out at some point in the near future. Cool. Uh, that one was a little bit of a departure for me. So yeah, I've been doing mostly you know journalistic stuff um, with little bits of fiction here and there. But the fiction is a lot of fun yeah. to write. Very cool. Well, a reminder, everybody, John went through, I have written down at least 19 books. There may be more than that. So um, go to the um, bookcougars.com for the show notes. Don't feel like, you know, too overwhelmed at the end. We've got them all written down for you, so you can check them out there. Absolutely. And you can connect with John on Twitter. His handle is oyjohn52. Yeah, go find me or, there. Or how did you pronounce Oye. it? Oye. Oye. It's hey in Spanish. It's okay. also a Gloria Estefan song. Yes. And he's also friends with Gloria Estefan. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so. I don't think the kind of friend, like, I can't show up and be like, can I stay in your beach house? But she knows me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and she has not requested a restraining order either. It's all good. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank thanks you for, for having me. Oh, this was so much fun. Yeah, thanks for being here, John. Oh, and happy pleasure. reading, everybody. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you.